Welcome back, everybody. Another exciting episode. Today, we got a power real estate couple on board, Troy and Lisa Michaud, who are doing some very cool things at a distance. These guys live in the wonderful, beautiful, expensive city of Vancouver. So finding deals, smoking deals is kind of hard to come by in Vancouver. So these guys invest at a distance. They do burrs. They don't do just any kind of burr, though. They like to do multifamily burrs. So that's what we're going to be talking about here today. The ups and downs, the pros and cons, the ins and outs of multifamily burrs and their, their story, their journey, where they're at today and where they're going. So Troy and Lisa, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks for having us. We're pumped to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. Excellent, you guys. So how did you get involved in the whole wild and wonky world of real estate in the first place? Uh, we have dabbled in, I guess, through home ownership for the last 10 or 12 years is kind of where it started. And then call, call ourselves accidental landlords. So we had to purchase an, another property. A long story, I won't get into it. Uh, and then we ended up renting out my original primary residence and thought that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, then just kind of, I would say, yeah. lackadaisically did it from there for a little bit, just, you know, tried a couple different things. We did uh, rent to owns, we did house hacking before it was cool. We did <laughs> uh, some short term, short term rentals, short -term rentals. Wow. and then uh, probably about 2020, we decided to get serious about it and uh, sort of buckle down, picked a a path, uh, which, as you mentioned, was multifamily burrs, and we've been focused on that ever since. Awesome. Well, that that, that is interesting how our our paths kind of wander and weave in and out type of thing. And then you finally, when you latch onto something that just makes sense and you get a bit of a track record with it, then you can really hit the ground running and and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's It's finding that focus that so many of us have a challenge with. So how did you guys decide upon multifamily? How did you decide upon that right in 2020 at the at the beginning of the pandemic? You know, how did all that sort of look like? Well, we we when we first started, we thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to just have a little bit more money in retirement? Mm -hmm. And when we bought our first duplex, which was actually a few years before the pandemic, we thought, well, this is really cool because now we'll have you know a couple extra hundred thousand dollars. And it really wasn't until we were kind of stuck in our house with nothing else to do that we started to really imagine what the potential could actually be. For so long, we thought it might just be a little extra padding in case pensions didn't work out or yeah. so we wouldn't have to work a little longer or that kind of thing. But then we really started to see the potential. Like once we saw what one door versus three doors looked like and then what that looked like versus nine doors and then now up to 70 70 ish. Uh, it kind of depends <laughs> on the day. So many, you lost count a while ago. I tell it, you. you know what? It's true. We'll go for dinner on Friday night and he'll be like, Oh, we got another deal under. I'm like, Oh, great. That's awesome. Um, so like, it wasn't until we really started to see the potential of how the scalability of it yeah. that we really started to imagine and reimagine what was possible for us in our life, in our financial picture. Uh, and that's what got us really excited and motivated. So we had an offer in on our first big multifamily that was set to close on March 31st. Of 2020. So that was pretty terrifying, to be really honest. You know, we really had to sit with it and we had the opportunity to back out because this, uh, the seller had some issues. And so our realtor was like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, mm -hmm. we were about to take, be looking after 22 people's uh, homes and making sure that they could have roofs over their heads, which is something we take seriously, as well as our own. 
Um, and we, we were, you know, had been strategic. We made sure we had a runway if things went wrong and we decided, okay, let's just hold our breath. I think we can do this. Let's, let's dive in. And it's been fun. Ever, it was fun then too. It was a little scary, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, we, less, it's less scary, more fun now. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. You get that Definitely. one going? Yeah. It, we can't go back. It's, it'll never be as scary as 20, March 2020. <laughs> everything was scary in March of 2020. I tell the you. mail was scary, yeah, right? Every, like everything yeah. was scary. Yeah, exactly. Go to <laughs> go to buy groceries was scary at that point. For exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing how that kind of puts things in perspective. Did, did, that, did that have something to do with it? Not just having more time to kind of look at things, but kind of going, you know, what's life all about? Now we got pandemics and there was no... You know, we weren't knowing what was going on with cures or vaccines or anything like that. It was a very, very scary time. Did that kind of put things in perspective for you guys? I think even end of 2019, I yeah. would say it was when we started really looking to invest kind of outside of our local area. Yeah. And we had that building on a contract since, say, November of 2019. I see. Closed. March, it closed March 30th or 31st. Of, right. Okay. So. I got it. So up until then, you guys, you were, you were focusing on single family homes, smaller type deals. Was that in and around Vancouver or whereabouts were you investing? Uh, some through Alberta, as well as Vancouver Island, Vancouver okay. itself, the Metro Vancouver area is, as you are probably well aware, yeah, quite unreasonably priced uh, for single-family houses and multifamily houses. Pretty so. much it's everything. Cash flow Pretty too. It's just a different, uh, different perspective. Somehow, ever since we've been started, we always had this idea that we didn't want to be putting money in. Like we just, uh, we didn't have a specific strategy. We hadn't read a book or listened to a single podcast or had any mentorship or anything like that. We just knew we didn't want to be subsidizing a property, and yeah. so that ruled out Metro Vancouver pretty quickly. And that meant that we were kind of always open to where markets were changing. And so you know, we've been doing it for 12 years, not super intensely, the first nine of them, but we had to, we have to adapt to the markets. So when you guys decided to focus on multifamily and, and start, as you say, taking it more seriously, you, you've had that first 22 unit building under contract. You got that scary one done and, and going. Just 13, 13 units. Oh, sorry. 13. <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got to 22 in total. We were about to have. I got it. All right. I missed mm-hmm. Okay. So 13 units, which is still, when you're going from onesie twosies, that's a big, big jump. Then since then, how have things kind of taken off for you guys over the last two and a half, three years? What has the portfolio grown to in that time? So we've kind of focused in the same area. Uh, we invest mostly in New Brunswick since 2020. Mm-hmm. So again, very challenging. I like I don't think you could go there until 2021 or yeah, they really clamped down. Every everybody yeah. clamped down there. Maritimes extra clamped down. So yeah. Yes, they had the, the East Coast bubble and they had mm-hmm. quarantine that was like two weeks long just as soon as you arrive. And it was very strictly enforced, as I understood. So, but through all that, uh, we still continue to invest remotely, um, acquiring, you know, probably close to 60 doors out there in the last couple of years, um, focused on on burrs. So that that's kind of a repeatable strategy where you can, in our case, use other people's money uh, or use your own to uh, re recycle the capital essentially. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so, so that's, so that's what you guys have done. So interesting. So you're doing that right in the right in smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, you're doing that clear across the country, one coast to the other, 
forget how many kilometers it is, but like 6,000 or something insane. It's like a 54 like a- hour drive. If you take the shortcut through the U S <laughs> and we've looked it up. <laughs> well, you haven't done it, but you've looked it up. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done it. No, no. Yeah. I'm thinking, no, no, you don't drive it. So, and you're doing birds, which is, you know, very, very, that's all about renos. It's all about contractors. It's all about getting supplies. You're doing this in the pandemic from a distance with supply chain issues and all that stuff. Walk capital me intensive. The, yeah, very capital intensive and, and not a lot of personal oversight that you can physically do of those deals. So sounds like it worked out okay, but were there a few little hiccups in the, in the middle there? Uh, uh, definitely some along the way, but nothing substantial. Um, I think we had a really good team out there that has helped us through this, right? It's so not how possible. did you find the team? How did how did you come up with that team? So in 2019, we actually flew out there oh, and okay. uh, we had kind of, I'd say, interviewed uh, contractors, realtors, property managers, you know, sort of from afar. And then we actually flew out, met with them in person, uh, went through some buildings that happened to be on the market at the time, got to better understand you know, their perspective, right? Because when I'm the other 6,000 kilometers away and I say, what does this look like to you? I have to understand what that means to you. Right. So I know what it means to me, right? And I think detaching yourself as well from really any sort of emotional purchase. Like when, you know, if you, you look at something on MLS, for example, and you see the pictures and you're like, oh, this looks great. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is terrible, <laughs> right? Uh, which now you're probably thinking that's great right because of course of course yes of course but initially you know it gives you like a very different uh you know feeling that i i I never even had to have that feeling right so it it really comes down to numbers you know dollars and cents and and what makes sense for this purchase what's it going to cost to rehab it um and then what's it going to be worth at the end and it's a very you know quick calculation to say this is good let's pursue it or next Exactly. Smart. So you guys, speaking of purchasing these, how you you mentioned that you were working with investors or joint venture partners, walk us through how that journeys look for you guys. Yeah, well, uh, we've raised capital from um, friends and family, accredited investors, and we've managed to fund all these projects. So I think in the last, um, say, well, three years or so, we've done probably about a million and a half dollars in renovations um, out there, plus acquisitions in, I don't know, seven, eight million dollars, you know, in real estate. So we we do raise capital to fund uh, the down payments, to fund renovation costs, and then... Sometimes to fund the whole thing, Uh, like Cedar, yeah, one of our properties was a six-unit building that had and was gutted by a fire, and so Mm. we used cash to, to buy the whole thing and from from lenders so yeah. yeah it's a mix and match of what you can find for private capital versus what the banks will lend you to right right so when you're working with private capital let's look at well whatever kind of deal but are you t- typically bringing people on board as joint venture partners or are you bringing them on as uh, you know debt investors what is what's that look like typically for you guys we wholly own all of our buildings, so we don't have any joint venture partners. Um, so we just have like interest paid to our our investors. 
So are they coming on kind of as second mortgage holders or how, is there anything that you're doing to secure them on title or are you doing promissory notes or if you don't mind it, sharing, what do you guys do? It, it really depends, right? So uh, we've done full first position mortgages, like uh, again, on a property that a bank wouldn't look at, obviously a better rate than than what yeah. uh, we would pay the bank for a private mortgage, but we've done that. We, we've done promissory notes, Um so there's, there's all kinds of, it, it's the best way that you can make each deal work, right? You kind of, yeah. and for what the investor is looking for as well, for security and for return. Very cool. So you guys, what, what do you find works best for you for finding these private lenders? Like you've mentioned that you work with friends and family and you've started working with accredited investors. So maybe just rewind a little bit. How did you first get it started with the the friends and family route? Because that's that's what we help a lot of people do is get get rolling with that. I, I think just talking about it, right? When in any case, if you're looking for friends and family, credit investors, whatever it may be, that it's when someone asks you at a party, what do you do? Do you say I'm an electrician, or do you say I'm a real estate investor? And you know, letting people know what you're 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 doing. Uh, you know, sharing your successes, sharing your learnings. We, we're part of some online communities too, where we not only just say, hey, look at this awesome job that we did. We say, hey, here's the things you learned along the way. Um, we do a lot of networking. We host networking actually here in Vancouver. Oh, as smart. Well as as yeah. virtually. So uh, just to create community, uh, but also people know, like, and trust you when they exactly. can see who you are, what you're about. You know, that you're not just some numbered company veiled in secrecy that's going to run away with their money, right? Like they, they understand who you are. Well, okay, now I'm, I'm fascinated about the whole, you guys creating your own networking opportunity. So kind of unwrap that, explain that to a dunderhead like me. What does that look like for you guys, both for meeting with people in person, as well as doing this virtually, like, like your own thing? Yeah. Yeah. So we just, just started it. I think sometimes we are waiting for somebody else to invite us to the table or yeah. waiting for the meetup or waiting for someone else to, to do it. And we just thought we would build the table ourselves and, and build a room. So uh, we did the first one, I think in October of 2021, and then uh, took a little bit of a break while things were really hairy um, and then kicked back up uh, last, I think once in the last April. And so we alternate, we do, we, we have a, we live downtown Vancouver. Um, our building has a common room that we have access to. And okay. um, so we just invite people and we started with just like our friends, like people that we knew. And we've always made it everyone welcome. So you don't have to, you don't have to be, you don't have to be, you know, so many doors or so far ahead. I think a lot of people also get imposter syndrome. That's what we've noticed uh, mm -hmm. and are hesitant to come to events. So we really go out of our way to make sure people feel like they're welcome, like anyone can come. And we also encourage people to think about what value can you bring? Even if you're a brand new investor, even if you've never bought anything, um, you know, have you do you know about design and maybe you have ideas for people who are doing short-term rentals? Uh, do you have a construction background? Do you, are you great at social media marketing? Because that can be a great way to build your portfolio or market your short-term rental or look for investors or share what you're doing or any of those things. Right. So we really encourage people to kind of get over that fear of coming out and think about what, like, what do you have to offer? Um, and we've done a mix of facilitated uh, like panels 
uh, with short, like short-term rental panel we did. We brought in mortgage broker to talk about residential versus commercial financing. We've done uh, private lending. Uh, and then we also just do, um, I'm, I'm a coach and a speaker. I run a mastermind. So we also do some facilitated masterminding and hot seats and kind of keep people co- connecting, keep people engaged uh, and just spread the word. So um, I, we think that like, it's, you know, it's slowly growing more and more people come every time. Just last month, I tried, we're trying Eventbrite and meet up to kind of. Well, that's what I was going to say. What were you doing before? Were you just kind of putting it out there on Facebook? Hey, we're getting yeah. together. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. We, we started a Facebook group and then we have an email list from that and we just let people know when it is. Yeah. And so now, now we're kind of like, okay, we kind of know what we're doing. So now let's put it out to total strangers and uh, ask everyone to bring a friend and, and kind of go from there. And now we've been talking to a few people who also run events in Vancouver, actually James Cannell, who was just on your podcast. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to partner with him. He's going to be one of our speakers and, nice. you know, so that his community can meet our community and vice versa. And then we all grow together. So it's Smart. pretty cool to, um, yeah, you, what, what do you, what do you call these get togethers? What are you, what are you calling them? We, so our Facebook group is intentional investing okay, because it's yeah. not just about like how many doors can I get or how, you know, how much, how much money can I make? It's like, how can I be intentional with the strategy and have it match my life? Mm-hmm. Um, so we call them intentional investing meetups. Very smart. I like that. And, and of what- course, we change it a little bit. If the topic is short-term rentals, it'll be, you know, panel on short-term rentals or right. uh, whatever the topic the is for that or whatever week. it is. Yeah, exactly. And how often do you guys like to get together? Is this a monthly thing or kind of a sporadic thing or what do you, what do you typically do? Yeah, we commit to uh, one month in person and then one month virtually. Uh, and we, we also commit, remember Troy, we take the summer off. <laughs> Troy, Troy likes to buy properties in the summer when we're supposed to be vacationing. So it's kind of our joke. Um, but yeah, we do basically like 10 meetups a year at least. And um, uh, yeah, build that community and build, like Troy said, the know, like, and trust. And also, you know, you never know what kind of opportunities come from from networking with people, right? And, and what ideas you get, new markets to learn about, um, new strategies, potential joint venture partner, potential lending partner, whatever that is. So you guys got this started in the in the common area in your building, downtown Vancouver. And how many people can you squish in there? Like what, what kind of capacity do you have for holding these people? You can probably do... 40, 50 people in oh, there. Oh, pretty big space then. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, we've had birthday parties for our five-year-olds that were much more than that. So, <laughs> Well, they're smaller though. The five-year-olds yeah. are Yeah, small. but they also, they have <laughs> a lot, a lot of pasture. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. A lot of yeah, snacks exactly. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that 40 is. 40 investors is way better. That is, that is so much fun. So are you guys, I'm just thinking logistically, are you, is this like an evening thing after dinner? Potlucky brings snacks. You know, is it just kind of purely educational? Usually, how long do they go for? That kind of usually stuff. around seven p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. for about two hours is kind of what we find works. We kind of do it. We've tried some with food, some you know, but generally, then people are talking with their mouth full, and yeah. you don't know how much food to order and whatever else, dietary restrictions, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So we've just allergies, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, keep it simple. Come at seven p.m. Uh, and, and yeah, we usually try and put on some sort of content. Yeah, no, that's that. Congratulations. I, I know how much work that is to get that kind of stuff up and going. So good on you that you've got Mm -hmm. it going and and you're keeping it going now. Has, has that turned into some actual joint venture partners for you guys yet? Or is that kind of stuff still kind of in the works? Oh, it actually did produce, um, um, a private lender for us. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it has for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think like um definitely one private lender. Um 
I feel a, a lot of the communities sort of like are interwoven too, right? Like so a lot of the online communities, people come from that or they, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it's like being omnipresent, if you will, you know, like people see you in multiple forms of media and, and get comfortable with you and yeah. Well, okay, so that brings up another question. So a lot of people have heard about these online communities and, and whatnot, but they may not be involved and or they may not even know how to get involved and and actually get value and provide value from these kind of places. So maybe walk us through that if you don't mind, you guys. Like specifically the Ferrara community or? For- well, no, in, in general, not not your community specifically, but the other communities the real estate communities that you're part of online, A, how did you find them? B, what do they look like? What do you do in these communities? How how do you provide value? How do you get value from them? What are some tips for some people who aren't actively involved in these kind of communities so they can get started? You're really good at this. I, I would say Facebook is, is a huge one. Um, I've even seen some of the communities have private forums and a Facebook and it seems like the forums kind of die and everything shifts onto Facebook. So that's yeah. really a, a lot of the communities are are on there. Uh, you can search like Real Estate Canada, you know, uh, Real Estate Investing Canada, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, find the one that speaks to you. But there's obviously several larger ones out there. And then there's paid ones too for if you belong to a mentorship program, um, you can you can get into some of those for some of the bigger mentorship programs. And um, and what have you found, Troy, that's worked best for you for these kind of groups? Has it been the, you know, the free ones that everybody and anybody and their dog can join, or or is it better? Has it been more productive being part of the paid groups that are part of mentorships, etc.? Both. I think yeah. you can now. There's some restrictions on some of the free ones, right? Where if you are raising capital, they they want you to be a paid member. So mm-hmm. uh, there's some of that. I mean, you also have to worry about, um, you know, how you advertise yourself and securities security and whatnot, yes, and all that stuff too. Um, but I think that part of being, as as I said earlier, being known is is just sharing, right? You, like every hour of every minute, or sorry, every minute of every hour of the day, it seems like you could go onto any of those Facebook groups and find someone who's asking a question. You know, you can chat with them. There's people looking for networking there's you know even if you're brand new there's people be like i want an accountability partner and like great could you could that be you right so how do you kind of get yourself involved in the community and like lisa said you know some people ask completely non-real estate but real estate related questions about what's the best way to market this or have you seen Mm -hmm. this program that could handle this right and uh i think it's adding any value you can i think it's showing up um, we just held a, an event last week that I talked to an individual afterwards. He's like, I just, I didn't, I don't know. I just thought I'd show up. And he's like, I made, I found a new private lender and I um, found another person I might join venture with on a, and I'm like, yeah, great. Like, so, <laughs> so I think a lot of times just showing up, right. That's, yeah. that's 80% of it. And then applying what you know, and you never know what you'll find. And being willing to help that goes a long yeah. way. Right. Like I think, we, we actually prompt everybody at our events too. And I think the same thing would go, should go for us on social media too. And, and really any room that you step into is to think, how can I serve somebody else? How can I help somebody else? And if everybody is thinking, well, how could I help two people today or two people tonight or two people, how can I help two people in this group today? 
um, then it's going to come back to you and people are going to appreciate it. And Troy has such a good point, you know, with the accountability partner, even if you're brand new and know nothing, you can be an accountability partner, right? You can cheer somebody else on. You can cr- congratulate somebody. You can, um, you know, you can celebrate someone. Yeah, be a can. cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. There's so many things. You can be the one asking you a question and giving somebody else the opportunity to answer, you know? Like it's, it's, I think we, we get afraid. We feel like I don't know enough. What if I sound stupid? And what if I, what if I ask the wrong question? And, and I, I think we just have to be okay that like, yeah, we all started with nothing. We all didn't know. We've all had to learn along the way. Um, and the worst thing, there's worse things than asking stupid questions. And that is not taking action and being exactly where you are in the same place in a year or in yeah, five years. Very, very well put. Oh, you guys, time flies when we're having fun. And we went down a few little rabbit holes there. I didn't even ask all the questions I was thinking of asking, but I really, really appreciate you kind of sharing what you guys have done to create your own network of like-minded people and and how you're, you know, really, I think, Lisa, you're the one who said, you know, not waiting to be invited to the table, build the damn table and invite other people to it. I love that. So Hats off to both you guys for everything that you've that you've done and and what you're continuing to do. And if people want to connect with you and find out more, what can they do? Uh, we have our Facebook group, Intentional uh, Investing with Lisa and Troy, or Intentional Real Estate Investing with Lisa and Troy. It's a lengthy one. Uh, maybe you could put that in the show notes for us, Dave. Uh, and we also have a podcast. My podcast is called Golden Girls Podcast. And it's more personal growth, but we do sprinkle in real estate episodes as well. Um, the next ones are going to be about how we felt comfortable sleeping at night while we're 54-hour drive away from our properties. <laughs> um, so those are great places to connect. And we're on Instagram at Michaud.investments as well. Excellent. Well, hey, Lisa, Troy, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care, and we will see you on the next episode.